you know, whether you're talking to parents or guarantors, residents, talking to peers, talking to supervisors, be present in the moment and, and don't squander those opportunities. Take chances. It's okay to be uncomfortable. I think being comfortably uncomfortable is something that I have preached for a long time. Reputation is everything. We've all heard it and we all believe it. Be it building and monitoring your online reputation or measuring your resident satisfaction in real time, we all know how important that is. The truth is we spend too much time asking for reviews, responding to reviews, surveying our residents and analyzing those surveys. This is all important, but there needs to be an easier way to manage it all. And in student housing, sometimes there just needs to be an automatic way of managing it, like during turn or for move-in day. Well, there is one platform out there that does just that. It's called Opinion. Opinion integrates with your property management software to automatically ask residents for reviews so you can get real-time feedback. It also works to generate more positive online reviews and ratings completely in the background without you ever having to push out an email or a text message. You can build surveys that are automatically sent out based on certain events within a tenant's lease cycle or an ad hoc community-wide survey. And it's working behind the scenes to analyze all of that feedback and present it to you in a way that you can quickly understand your property's resident satisfaction level and get insight into your team's performance. Listen, there are a lot of platforms and applications that can help you monitor and respond to your online reputation. Some will even help you generate more reviews, but Opinion allows you to do it hands-free and brings you the feedback you need in order to take meaningful action. So let Opinion do the heavy lifting and give your team more time to focus on your tenants. For more information, click on the link in the show notes or go to Opinion, which is spelled with three I's, O-P-I-N-I-I-O-N.com forward slash S-H-I. Again, that's opinion.com forward slash SHI. Go there today and get a special promotion for our audience members. Hello and welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees. I'm also the CEO and founder of Student Housing Insight. Yes, Student Housing Insight is not only a podcast, but we're a platform for off-campus student housing professionals to connect, network, and learn. You can find out more at studenthousinginsight.com. Well, I am so glad that you are tuning in for this episode. About two years ago, actually it was right at two years ago, I started doing these profile episodes where I'm interviewing a student housing veteran and just talking about their career journey and advice that they've got for folks that are trying to determine if this is an industry they want to stay in or not. You know, I've been in this industry going on 28 years now. <laughs> and so some of those veterans, I, I feel like I know really well, but then I do one of these profile episodes with them. And, and I tell you, I just, I found out so many interesting things that I had no clue about. And, and you know, I'm hearing the same thing from our audience. So, you know, Please, I love those comments, love to hear what you guys get out of these different episodes that we're doing. 
But in this episode, I'm interviewing Article Student Living COO, Matt Maxa. Now, you may hear Article Student Living and say, who's that? (laughs) Well, you've been under a rock since probably about October or so, but Matt will get into it. But essentially, it's it's the team that was formerly at CA Student Living and one of the equity groups bought out the other partners and they've created articles. So he'll explain more about that. Now, if you've never met Matt, <laughs> you'll never forget him once you do. He's got one of probably the best beards in this industry. I think that's an official title that he holds. Uh, but he's also, he's got a smile and a personality that's just, it's so inviting and easygoing. Uh, I've never worked with Matt directly, but I know a lot of folks who have, and they all talk just Holly about him. But I've got a feeling if you stepped on his shoes, he might start a fight with you. <laughs> um, we get a little into his uh, his shoe fetish as well. But you know what? With that being said, let's get to the interview with Matt Maxa at Article Student Living. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it. Morning. Well, hey, we've got a lot to go over. Exciting things going on with yourself and Article. But before we even uh, before we even go down that road, you are known as Student Housing's best beard. Oh, in well, the industry. That's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> anytime I bring up anytime, anytime I bring up Matt Max's name, the, someone ends up saying he has got just the best beard in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> there are worse things to be known for, so I'm good with that. I got a good barber here in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that, I mean, you've got one of those beards. It looks like you were probably born with it, but <laughs> it, that doesn't happen. So, I mean, is this something you, you've been carrying since high school or, or how did yeah, you? Yeah, I probably had the, uh, I probably had uncomfortable uh, long sideburns and some, and a soul patch in high school for a long time because I could grow it. Uh, and then, I don't know, probably seven, eight years ago, started growing a longer beard, but uh, it's kind of fluctuated, but I haven't seen my, I don't think I've seen my face in a very long time, frankly, it's just this. <laughs> For those that don't know Matt, haven't seen his picture on LinkedIn, aren't seeing this on video, or you're just uh, listening to this on audio, It's uh, it's got that, you know, kind of Duck Dynasty length to it, but it's got the grooming of like a Tom Selleck mustache. <laughs> it's it's really, really <laughs> impressive, Matt. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, hey, um, a couple things. I think before we, you know, really get into getting into your origin story and everything, I think the biggest news going on with with you is not you personally, but from a professional standpoint, is what's happened with Article. You want to give just a quick update on that? Yeah, sure. So uh, in August of last year, we basically, you know, Quad Real is the equity behind Article, and they were a partial owner in the company when we were at CA Student Living. And in August, they basically saw the, the value and the, and the viability of our organization and ended up actually purchasing the company outright. And I think they also saw just in general, the resiliency in student housing in the US, right? I think collectively they're a, they're a Canadian company, but US student housing has been through a lot over the years. I mean, I've been in it for 20 plus years and I've seen everything from the 2008 worries to the you know the pandemic through of the last few years that we're kind of coming out of now so they saw a lot of value in what we do and our people here and our expertise and what we have going on and ended up again purchasing the company and then we you know to create our own identity ended up rebranding we created article just a few months ago and 
we're uh, full steam ahead. So our, our team's super excited. Same leadership team that we had from the management side, as well as investments and development, they're, they're still here. So we're just uh, excited to be going into 2024. Well, that's fantastic. I know a lot of a lot of news has been coming out about it. Quadril is um, based in Toronto, correct? Uh, Vancouver, actually. Vancouver. Okay. Mm-hmm. So West Coast. Great. Well, hey, Matt Maxa is a name that I've known for a while in this industry, but I've been in this industry for a while. For those that, that may be a little bit new to it and don't know you personally, I kind of really wanted to jump into that. Let's just start with your origin story. Where did you grow up? How did that intersect with student housing? Sure. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Sarasota, Florida, born and raised. My, my parents are from the Midwest. Mom's from Ohio, dad's from Chicago. So okay. kind of fitting that I ended up in Chicago at the end yeah. of the day. I love this city. So it, it all worked out. Went to school at UCF in Orlando, go Knights. Ended up going for finance undergrad and then went to uh, grad school for an MBA. You know, while I was there, I went to college at 17. So I couldn't actually sign my first lease without my dad. So it was kind of funny. I had to co-sign that. And back then you got discounts for writing a uh, writing your check in full at the beginning of the year, which is kind of funny. I remember saving up money all summer long to do that. We don't do that anymore. So it's an unfortunate part of the industry, but it's a thing. When I got to college, I was there for a year working a regular job, actually at a tuxedo store, oddly enough, doing some sales and different things for weddings and whatnot. And a new property was opening up called Jefferson Lofts. It was a townhouse style product in Orlando, kind of the first of its kind, especially really in student housing for a long time. We hadn't seen that and some friends wanted to go there. I grew up from, I would say, very humble beginnings. I didn't have a lot of money. I worked full time, like since I was 13 years old, like working then and going to college full time, doing all these different odd jobs, working construction and doing different things. So, you know, I looked at that. Some friends wanted to sign there and I just legitimately couldn't afford to be there. And then I really found out about student housing in that moment. I understood that if you work there for 20, 25 hours a week, you got your rent for free. and. Yeah. That's really how I started. I was a community assistant over 20 years ago in Orlando. Got the call, started uh, with JPI, went with an EDR, or Alan O'Hara, then EDR after that. But uh, they were all the same kind of organization. And really, I was a CA for four months. From there, went into a full-time leasing role. It kind of popped up because somebody had left. And I remember that conversation pretty distinctly because people in the office were pretty nervous. They were like, anybody here looking to you know, get into leasing before we go out and try to hire somebody? And I said, how hard could this be? Like, I chose to live here. This is exciting. I, this is an easy job. I can go sell this to somebody else. And that's really how I got into leasing. I started doing that full time. went into, like again, four months to CA, went into leasing. From there, what we called to a resident services manager, which now can be probably called an assistant manager or a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. Went into leasing manager, property manager, senior manager, regional manager, SVP, EVP, COO. So it's just been uh, quite the journey for me. Uh, I think along the way, for me, a pretty linear path, frankly. Like I, I was going you know, kind of where I, where I wanted to go in the space. But I will say that when I first started, uh, nobody, including myself, in student housing thinks they're going to be in student housing 20 years later. I was... Uh, doing that as a means to an end in college and ended up kind of sucking me in and it, it worked out. So let's talk about that UCF experience. Cause I've got some mm-hmm. ties back to that. And there's, there are a ton of folks that have come out of UCF that are in this industry. Larry Greenberg at ACC is one that, that comes to mind real quick. Mm-hmm. So there was the first property I started on was university club at UNC Charlotte. And they had a sister property university club at, at UCF, mm-hmm. which was a townhome design, uh, yeah. which I'm, I think predates the Jefferson property, doesn't it? It did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So 
tell me, I mean, just the explosion that you've seen, you know, on that campus and what's happened off campus, you know, with all the building and everything. I mean, kind of give me some of your thoughts on, you know, do you think that's going to, you think that's going to continue? You think they've kind of reached their max or? I don't think so. I mean, I, when I was, when I started there in 2002, the school itself is obviously massive. It's second largest school in the country and it's been growing like a weed since then. And they also have a lot of land mass. So the idea that it can continue to expand is a real possibility. And it's done that over the years. And I think that it would have probably grown a little bit faster even in the 2000s and 2010s, but slowed a little bit just due to the, like the, some state funding and different things. But overall, it's just been a really, really cool growth pattern. And I think when I started going to school there, uh, our football team actually played at the Citrus Bowl. We didn't even have a camp, like a stadium on campus. So right, right. since then, a lot of changes there, which also, as you know, in this industry, I think sports also drives a lot of uh, interest in, in universities. So yeah. having a sports team that is on the upward track, joining the Big 12, growing again, I think it's helpful. And I think one of the unique things about the UCF and Orlando market in general is unlike some more urban assets or urban type markets, the non-pedestrian market there and the pedestrian market, there's not a lot of them, but the pedestrian market there are, are very similar in rent profiles and style. Everybody drives in Florida. There's a lot of parking at UCF. So people tend to tend to not really care if they're a quarter mile away or if they're a mile, mile and a half away, which is a rarity in this space. Yeah, yeah. Any ideas whatever happened with that pro- with that property, the University Club property? I know it got rebranded. I just don't know the name of it anymore. It's been a long I time. I go back for all the football games. Four but, five times by yeah. now, but yeah, yeah. It was because uh, they they had the same floor plan that we had in Charlotte, which was really unique because you had you had a master, if that's what you want to call it, downstairs, and then three three bedrooms upstairs as well as a laundry room, and that was something in student housing. You just everybody was doing the flats you know, with the four bedroom, four bath, two bedrooms off each side kind of thing. That was just kind of the standard. And so when that, when that townhome design came out, everybody was jumping to it. Kind of a lot like what happened with the cottages, you know, several years mm-hmm. later. So, yeah, that was the interesting part about like Jefferson lofts and then it called the lofts afterwards. But why that, why that was interesting is that the four bedroom, two bath and the four bedroom, four bath both had like an actual loft upstairs. So when you toured, yeah. the, I remember touring folks and being, this is the way you can create your own space and make it your own. And it was a cool selling point in that market at the time. You're right. It was all for the most part, you know, flats, apartments, or, you know, if it wasn't flats and there may have been some townhouse in the conventional market, but not in the student space. Yeah, Again, yeah. the university club being one of them. So everything from, I guess, Jefferson Commons to EDR was basically acquisitions, right? Or was it, did you switch companies? Oh, at the time, I, I think yeah. Jefferson Lofts was JPI. Uh, yeah, JPI was, is what I'm in. JPI was what it was at Jefferson Lofts. And then, uh, Alan O'Hara acquired that and then they went public in 2008, rebranded or just differently branded as EDR. And when they went to the public market and became that publicly traded REIT, it looked larger space. Gotcha. And then, and then from, from there to CA Ventures and, and now to Article, or did I miss something in between? No, I was with uh, the, the JPI days. Like I kind of count as my, you know, EDR, Alan O'Hara, all was one yeah. thing. I was there for a little over 13 years. And then I came to CA Student Living in 2016. And then I was there until, again, the, the rebrand and the kind of the new company formation of Article here in the past uh, six, seven months. Gotcha. Cool. So any, uh, any shout outs to any of the folks that kind of mentored you through the way? Absolutely. I was very blessed in my career, truly. I, I worked with some of the, the finest in the industry. A lot are still here. One of my first managers, Jan Florsheim, I, I talked to her 
honestly, every few weeks, her, her husband and, and my, we talk about UCF football and just life in general. I was fortunate enough to work with uh, Matt Fulton and Chris Richards and Beth Pinder at EDR. I think Chris, you know, her and I are very close and it, it's funny. She now works uh, in Chicago as well at times. She's up here. I, I got to spend some time with her just uh, about a month ago. And I recognized an early, an early part in my career, I wanted to emulate you know, a lot of what she was doing in, in my, you know, in her career, in my career. So it was, a, it was a big deal for me. And I was super fortunate to have that, that mentorship and that leadership in my career. And then most recently, I would say, you know, with, with CA Student Living, you know, Steve Boyack, who now works in the multi-space again, as opposed to student, but I learned a lot from him from the strategy component of the business, right? I, I'm an operator by, by heart, you know, that's where I came from by trade. And I think, you know, getting into that next level of my career was, a strategy focus. So I've been, again, just ultra blessed to have those people in my life. And, and it's, it's been very, very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Chris is, Chris is fantastic. We had her, yeah. we did our profile on her last year mm-hmm. and um, there were a lot of things I thought I knew about Chris, but there were a lot of things that I learned new from, <laughs> from that interview. It was, it was fantastic. So, her affinity for Diet Coke. Everybody knows that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how anybody gets through a day without it. So. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Well, um, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, before we start talking about the future, but kind of your team now. I mean, I know some of the folks that you've got around you, I've worked with some of them. Uh, it's a fantastic team, but, you know, would love to kind of hear a little bit about um, what you guys are, are putting together and, and some of the key folks that are, that are making Article what it, what it is today. Like much of student housing, right? Over the years, I think people uh, have worked at a few main companies and then branched out over time. And we've been able to assemble some of the best and brightest in the space. And uh, we're, we're very fortunate. I mean, our our leadership team has been doing student housing for a very long time. Scott Manning, our SVP of operations, has been in it 20 years, similar to me. Brenna Tucson, who is on our SVP of uh, sales and training, she's been mm-hmm. doing it for you know 17 years, I believe. Erica White, close to that same number. She's an absolute boss in the space. Uh, yeah. She is our SVP of technology and strategic services, and she's just phenomenal. She gets a lot of, a lot of in, involvement in the industry outside of just of her her skill sets. Right, everybody yeah. knows her, which I'm. You know, again, we're blessed to have her, but to have her in the space, advocating on our behalf, and being a, an ambassador for our brand and for the industry as a whole, and for W Collective is a, is a big deal. Jacqueline Arnest, who is our SVP of communications and marketing been here for about two years now, been in the space for a long time, been in the NAA board for quite some time. So in this, in the industry as a whole, people know who she is. And then most recently we promoted uh, Rachel Goldstein into our RVP of uh, operations and she's okay. kind of sliding under Scott. So she's been with our company for, I think, eight years now yeah. internally working the way up to the ranks, but collectively all these folks worked on site. They, it's, which is a pretty much a good story in student housing. A lot of people came up that same exact uh, career path and Outside of that, of the operations side of the business, from an investment lending standpoint, we have some really talented folks, Emily and, and Chang on the investment and lending front uh, through our end, and Brian Berdur on the construction and development front. So really, really uh, well-rounded team. And then Thierry Cable is uh, our current president as well. And he's been with uh, Quadrio prior to this and through the transition and overseeing our company and really just... Uh, done yeoman's work in the last seven, seven months or so to get us at this point. And we're just, uh, we're excited. Awesome. Well, Hey, let's talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the future. What are, what are some of the biggest challenges facing the industry that you see coming down the pipeline? 
I'm not sure they're coming down the pipeline. I think they're here. I think, you know, there's, there's two parts of that, right? You have the development or the interest rate front, which is affecting development and acquisitions. I mean, the interest rates being high, it's just making deals harder to pencil, right? Whether you're building from the ground up or trying to acquire things, or if you're, you've got refinancing coming up, it's just a, a difficult landscape to be in. And it has been for quite some time. I do see light in the tunnel. We, you know, we, we're all tuned into a lot of the different various podcasts, both from you guys and student housing business and different, uh, you know, avenues and the conferences and whatnot. And you hear folks speak about where, where we're headed. So I do think there's a turnaround development pipeline is picking back up, which is great, but acquisitions too. I think that it's just been, there's some opportunistic things out there, but they're difficult to, again, to make pencil as easy maybe as they were 10 years ago. And I think on the operations front, it's no secret that expenses are, are increasing, whether that's in insurance or labor costs, material costs, utility costs, they've all been going up. So there's this, you know, need from the the operators in the space to get creative. Like, what are you doing to combat that? Are we, you know, some of the people in the space are doing some things or, you know, centralization is a big buzzword in the space. I'm not sure I fully agree with all of it, but I will say there's, there's items that can complement what we do in order to create some synergies across the board, whether that's double or tripling down in markets, whether that is creating some you know, vendor relationships that allow us to do some things more efficiently. We just got to get creative and continue to do that. The fortunate part of all of that in the last couple of years, though, is we've seen record-breaking rent growth to combat that, right? So mm-hmm. when I was starting in the space, you know, you as well, you probably were with the, the standard was two to three, maybe 4% on a really good year. To yeah. see six, seven, eight percent over the last couple of years uh, has been very exciting, but it's pushing that. Yeah, exactly. Some markets are higher than others, but as portfolio to see those numbers, it is really incredible. So we're fortunate to have to be able to combat those those issues over time, and I'm hoping that the uh, light in the tunnel here in the next few uh, few months to a year will kind of put or reset uh, some of our, our metrics in student housing and go back to kind of pre pandemic uh, development and acquisition uh, pipelines. Yeah, you mentioned doubling and tripling down in some markets. Mm-hmm. And I've seen you guys do that. I guess Reno comes to mind. I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, you guys have done We're that. Quadrupled down in Minneapolis. So <laughs> yeah, I, I want to park it there for just a minute on the operation side. What's kind of been the approach? I mean, cause it, I think, you know, I have seen it where maybe, maybe the second or third property, you know, might be a little bit smaller and, but you know, typically, you know, where I've seen you guys put two or three properties in two properties, would probably be over 500 beds, right? And so that that's going to require typically a full staff. What's kind of your thought after, you know, after experiencing that? It, do you, you treat everything completely separate, not try to consolidate on staff? Or does each property really deserve its own staff? Outside of, obviously, a new lease up is, you know. Sure. A little bit different. Once it's stabilized, are there any... Uh, uh, you know, is there any way to save money on staffing there? Yeah, there's certainly efficiency to be had. I mean, I think on the maintenance supervisor front and the property manager front, there are definitely opportunities there. I think that if you're in a market, like for instance, Minneapolis is a great example, where you're actually kind of operating in two sub-markets, you've got to be cognizant of that. So if you're operating in the Dinkytown market and Prospect Park, your demographics are different, your target mm-hmm. market is different. So you kind of have to have two separate staffs there. You can't just have one person overseeing a lot of that. But I will say that, you know, as we we just, you know, built it actually the opposite. Instead of building a smaller property, built a thousand bed property that just opened. And yeah. I will say that, you know, as we get down this path after this first year, if opportunities present themselves for synergies across different uh, platforms, we'll do that. I know in Champaign, we have two properties, Reno, two properties. 
And we have seen some senior manager type roles over time where that works. A lot are standalone for a number of reasons. One, if they're a larger property, there's really not a ton of efficiency you can gain other than again, maintenance supervisor or property manager. But I'd also say that depending on what your company is doing, if you are just an operator or if you're a manager, for instance, it may be an equity partner that would like to have their own staff. They don't want commingled uh, to staffs or oversight, which is very fair. That's happened in the past with us and our third party deals. But typically speaking, if we're able to have somebody overseeing a couple assets, we try to do that again because of some of the the expense increases over the last few years. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you, you've experienced a lot of new development. And obviously, at the time that you were with EDR, I know there were a lot of acquisitions that were going on. What's your preference? You prefer to do new development or a new acquisition? No preference to me, honestly. I think yeah. growth is the key, right? I think that any any time that as an organization we're growing, that means opportunities for people. And as someone who came up through the ranks of student housing, opportunities are very exciting and they keep people motivated. So I, I love both sides of that. I would say that acquisitions are right now. Developments take a lot of time and work in the front end, and there's a lot of pre-work yeah. involved in that. And it's the the waiting, right, for the ribbon to be cut. But acquisitions are exciting because they're now. I mean, everything from it's a very quick timeline, but you've got to turn around, but you go in and take over a property and get to know their team. And, you know, if you can update things, if, it, if it's warranted, we do that. No different than anybody else. But I think both have their own own place in my heart because, again, growth is the is the key metric there. Yeah, yeah. So most of the folks that are listening to this podcast are, are site-level managers. And a lot of them, you know, come to me and, you know, when I see them at conference or if I'm, you know, out, doing some consulting work and, you know, shopping properties and, you know, someone, you know, recognizes the name or whatever, and they'll start asking me questions about, it's, it's, it's typically along the lines of, hey, I've been here since I was a CA, and, you know, I've been a property manager for a year. This isn't what I went to school for, but I think, you know, this is something I, I really enjoy doing. What kind of advice do you have for me, you know, when it comes to, to planning out a career in this industry? How would you answer that question? A lot of ways. I, I can tell you, I've had that question personally as well from, from our, our team members and others in the industry. And I would say the, the first to, to address one of the pieces in that is like about the background, right? I don't think that many folks go to college or even if they don't go to college, but have that mindset of, I would love to go into student housing. I think it's something that it, for me, it, it fell into my lap as a, an opportunity and it provided me you know, some advancement along the way and I stayed with it, but I don't think your background necessarily matters. Like, I think that's one of the coolest things that I tell our leasing managers and our property managers at our conferences is the breadth of, of knowledge and the breadth of background amongst our employees is impressive to say the least. You could have sociology, you could have an engineering degree. I, I did finance, you could be in marketing and all of those translate because if you're good at customer service and you're good at taking care of of people, both employees as well as residents, and you can have a little bit of financial acumen at some point in your career, you know, you can you can be in this space for a very long time. And the last thing I would say on that particular front is, is that my journey happened to be very linear. I went in the path that I thought was going to happen once I got down that road. Like I went like in this way in terms of different levels of my career because it made sense. But I have told a lot of our folks that within an organization, you know, I was an operator, but there are just like any other business, right? There are so many pieces of the space that are in the industry that aren't operations. They could be anything from accounting, development, acquisitions, lending, investment. 
So if somebody is studying one of those things, but happens to work at a property, their perspective going into a company like Article is invaluable, right? Because now they know how the property operations work and they get to work in a different part of our business. And it really, to me, gives them a leg up on somebody coming from the outside or in that particular world or competency. So I do love that. People at the property though, you know, it's funny, I just actually went through something similar to this internally about like a spotlight on my career to kind of showcase what our people are doing. And I tried to distill it down to a few things. One, I said, be present in the moment. You know, whether you're talking to parents or guarantors, residents, talking to peers, talking to supervisors, be present in the moment and, and don't yeah. squander those opportunities. I also said on there that take chances. It's okay to be uncomfortable. I think being comfortably uncomfortable is something that I have preached for a long time. You know, I, my first move to be a property manager was to Statesboro, Georgia. I didn't know anybody. I was with EDR. I was in Orlando, Florida. I interviewed with our internal company on a Friday and seven days later, packed my things and moved. So that was a, a big change for me. But being uncomfortable in that moment kind of made me who I am in my career. And it's okay to take those chances, especially when you're you're young in your career to do that. And you can, you know, really find yourself as both a professional and, and, and personally. And then I think lastly on that is focus on people and the performance will follow. I always see everything in the industry and me included when I was younger too, that performance matters, right? You're so focused on the numbers, rate growth, occupancy, NOI, pick a metric. We're so focused on that. But I think as I got further along in my career, that when you turn around and focus on the people at your, at your properties, the people in your organization, the performance follows. They want to run through a wall for you. They want to do well for you. They want to be that successful individual at their communities or at their position at the, at the home office. And that to me was a big, uh, a big eye opener in the last, you know, three to five years. The last thing I'd say is I mentioned some mentors earlier and to quote uh, <laughs> Ted Lasso, probably be curious, right? When I was at, uh, you know, a lot of my conferences growing up as a leasing manager, property manager, regional manager, I took every opportunity to talk to these mentors, talk to folks I didn't know and really just walk up to them and say like, how are you? What do you do here? There's no level of, uh, hierarchy, in my opinion, that applies those situations, because I was always someone who was pretty bold in asking those questions. I remember talking to Chris and Matt when I was a, Matt Fultland's a leasing manager, Chris Richards, leasing manager, yeah. seeing him at sites, talking to our investment partners and folks that I just wanted to know more. I wanted to be kind of crave some knowledge. And I will tell you that when people ask me those things now, I am so excited and happy to tell them a story or answer their questions because it takes me back, right? It keeps me fresh. It keeps me yeah. in that mindset of what they do with the properties and what we do in different places that I've been in my career and what's changed. So I just say, be curious and ask those questions, those people and really get involved. So I want to try something out. You mentioned Statesboro <laughs> and I always tell everybody, <laughs> if you're in this industry for more than two years, there's basically two degrees of separation between you and somebody else, specifically with a property. So one of the last companies I was with, we acquired from Kane Anderson, a property that Campus Apartments was managing. Kane Anderson had purchased it from EDR and it was, a, it was part of the old place properties yep. portfolio. <laughs> so at the time, it was probably Statesboro Place. That was the Point at Southern. Point at Southern. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we purchased that and managed it. It was a, there were a lot of things as we <laughs> acquired it that, you know, there had to be some, some CapEx put into it, but that was a, that was a fantastic property. Love managing that property. My first manager job was at, at, at uh, the point at Southern. And from there I went over to the Avenue at Southern and the same market EDR owned both in that, at that time. And 
I managed one for about a little over a year, then managed the other for a little over a year before moving to Charlottesville. So I remember those properties very well. Statesboro, you're right. It it's almost like a like a proving ground in student housing at some point in the southeast to get you somewhere else in your career. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like I said, there's only uh, <laughs> there's typically only you have a conversation with somebody in student housing and and you'll figure it out really quick that you've either worked in the same market at the same time or you worked on the same property, you know, within four or five years of each other. It's it's so weird like that. But hey, let's uh, talk a little bit about you know, what's happening over the next, you know, we're at the beginning of the month. We're talking out January 25th. Sorry, not at the beginning of the month. We're here at the beginning of 2024 and it's the 25th of, of January when we're recording this. So thinking about, you know, the next 12 months out, you know, anything special for yourself or article that you guys are focused on? Sure. I mean, I think uh, I mentioned earlier about the development pipeline. We've got a few in the docket right now that are delivered this year. Uh, one in Gainesville, one at Yale. And then going forward, I think, you know, growth is the key here. I mentioned earlier a little bit, but, you know, we're focused on growth in different avenues. With the development pipeline being a little slower in the industry, it's bouncing back from pre-pandemic levels, but it is it is getting there. We're on that same kind of trajectory where we're ramping back up. But I think in the near term, acquisitions will be our, our main focus in the next 12 months, looking all over the country and trying to make those things pencil. So we've got a team set aside to do that and we're ready to take on more responsibility and kind of grow the portfolio. But we'll do it strategically. We're not going to just grow to grow. We're going to be in the space looking for the right deals. And again, like like you talked about a minute ago with that, when I said, you know, double tripling down, if we already have opportunities or, or properties in markets, we can have opportunities to to add to that portfolio because of our market knowledge and our current, you know, travel schedule and all of that makes a ton of sense. And there's some synergies there, both the home office and in the, uh, and in the market itself. So that's kind of our focus over the next 12 months. And I'd say, you know, just in general, getting the first year under, under our belt as article student living from a culture standpoint, from our employee standpoint, we're, we're all very pumped to start that off. Awesome. So a little birdie told me that you're a big shoe guy. And uh, I it's hear that there, there's actually a, an article shoe that has been manufactured. Uh, there, there is. So, uh, yes, I do have way too many shoes. It's a problem for sure. There's worse vice in this world, but I do have a lot of shoes. And <laughs> my team, knowing that about me, actually got me a pair of custom dunks for for Christmas. And in turn, I was like, I don't want to be that guy. But these are really cool shoes. So you should all have them. So I actually went and created them and bought them all a pair as well. So <laughs> the next conference that we're at, I hope you get to are see you wearing them today. You got you got to show I am them wearing off. them right now. Should I show them? Let me see if I can get one out. Let me get one off. I'll show you a shoe. It's pretty cool. It's our new it's our it's our colors for our for our dunk. So it's pretty, Check pretty dope looking shoe. And then I don't know if you can see on here, but the on the tag here, it's uh, it says article on oh, the awesome. uh, on the tongue. Okay. We did a pretty bang up job on that. I'm really excited about it. The team is pumped. And it's again, I think just getting some new swag. I mean, obviously I'm wearing some today for the podcast, but overall we're, uh, we're pumped as a team. I, I've said this for years. You in this space, we're all very fortunate because I've got a lot of friends in here and I love working with these people and it makes my life and my job a lot easier. Well, that's fantastic. Well, Hey, I think that's a great point to, to end on. And Matt, thanks so much for, uh, you know, taking time out to, share your story and we'll uh, we'll definitely put your uh, LinkedIn information in the, in the show notes so folks can reach out to you and connect with you and make it a great year, man. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I really, uh, really great uh, start to the uh, start to the morning. So thank you again. Look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Take care, Matt. Thanks, man. Bye. 
Well, again, big thanks to Matt for sharing his background and his career journey. I'm looking forward to seeing what both him and, and the team at Article accomplish this year. It's a fantastic team over there. If you've never met with them, connect with them on LinkedIn because uh, folks like Erica and Brenna and Jordan, they've just been fantastic to work with on Shop Talk and a lot of the other things that, that we do. They care so much about the other folks in this industry and helping them out as well. So make sure you connect with them on LinkedIn. Well, hey, a couple of quick updates before we go. Getting back to Shop Talk, which is, if you haven't heard about it, it's the industry's monthly webinar that we host. The next one is on February 13th, and that's going to be on a Tuesday. We typically try to do those on a Thursday, but for February, it's going to be on Tuesday, February 13th, and we've got a panel of three marketing agencies that are outlining what student housing operators need to be focused on with their social media strategy in 2024. The panelists for that will include Matt Pavlik from Grow Marketing, Alex Abernathy from Poetic, and Sam Wynn from Agency 53. So that's going to be a a big lineup for that. You can register for that by going to shoptalk.info. And of course, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Well, thank you again for listening to this episode. And if I brought you any, any value, please share this with your colleagues. I can't tell you how much that means to me. I also want to thank Opinion for being the sponsor of this episode. If you're not currently utilizing any kind of platform or process to measure your resident satisfaction and to generate positive reviews, or maybe you are using something and it requires your staff members to, to ask for positive reviews from the residents, which means you're probably losing out on 90% of the positive reviews you could be getting, then get in touch with Opinion. They've got a special discount for the listeners of this podcast. We'll provide the link in the show notes, but it is Opinion, and that's spelled with three I's, so O-P-I-N-I-I-O-N.com forward slash SHI. And again, we'll put that in the show notes. Well, thanks again, and we'll see you next time.